Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. He is enough. <laughs> oh, I love that song. So, yes, I'm mom adjacent. I'm the cool auntie, I just want you to know. So what I do is I give the moms in my family a break. That is my official role. For example, I will having, be having my teenage nieces and nephews this summer. Looking forward to this. I'm sure their parents are looking forward to it even more. Um, I, so, my mom raised three daughters, divorced, single, put us through Adventist education. She does not have a degree. I think she might have one now. I think she has an AA now. But when I was a kid, mom would work two and three jobs. And somehow, and, and I don't know how she did it. I know she prayed a lot. Because when I was in law school, I remember after a busy night and coming home at the crack of dawn. And by the way, if you were in law school, you should not have a busy night. And uh, I had a choice to make. And the, th the thought that came into my head was, your mother's prayers will not keep you anymore. I was about 24. I wasn't really thinking about my mom praying for me. And I like to say that that's my, that's when I made my adult, adult decision. I had made a decision for Christ as a kid um, when I was about 10. Then when I was in high school and college, I renewed those choices. But when I made the choice, it was because I heard this voice that my mother's prayers would not keep me anymore. And I had to reflect on where I had been, where I was. And I called my mom up, not even that long ago. I, I talked to her regularly. And I told her, I, thanks, mom. I just, I appreciate you. You get smarter and smarter with the older I get. And she said, God made me a promise. And he kept it. He kept my three daughters. They love the Lord. You guys are a little crazy, but he kept his promise. And I'm here to tell you moms today, and those of you who aren't moms, because we have our different struggles that feel way too much. In fact, our troubles often feel more than enough. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God has a promise for you. He has a promise for each of us, and there's more than enough to go around. And so I'm going to tell you about two women. And, and I spent a little bit of time 
I'm a professional student, hence the different degrees. Um, did not like grade school, did not like high school, by the way. I, I had a D minus in citizenship at Mountain View Academy. That was for attendance. Um, but I had all A's because I'm, I study, even if I don't show up to class. <laughs> and I, one of my favorite things to study, which is why, I don't, I don't know why God called me as a pastor. I, he had better choices. But I sometimes think it's because I really do, I know I love Jesus. I've always loved Jesus. I don't remember a time in my life I didn't love Jesus. And I love the stories in the Bible. Um, I had the, um, do you guys have those old blue Bible story books? Oh, I love those books. And just to tell you what kind of child I was, I've read them all multiple times, the whole set, by the time I was 10. I'd read all of them. And I colored the people different colors. Okay, because I was like, I don't know why all the people look like this. My world has lots of colors in it. So I colored all the pages. And I, and I you know, we, we got to make it our own story. And so I was looking through Genesis and I realized I had not been paying attention to the mothers in the story. And sometimes I think we don't pay attention to mothers. Mothers do so much to put their children in front of them, their spouses in front of them, the fathers, the kids, that we don't see mothers. We don't see the matriarchs in our life. And there are two matriarchs that I want us to focus on in a little bit of a different way, and that would be Sarah especially. But I would be remiss if I didn't also tell you about Hagar. Now, if you would be so kind as to open your Bible or your cell phone and pull up your Bible app and go to Genesis chapter 16, this will be the first time that we hear Sarah's voice. Understand, we know that Sarah left. Actually, her name was Sarai. Left, Abram, left with Abram three promises ago. We know that he was with her when they left their father. Now notice I'm talking about Abraham is with Sarah. And we don't hear her voice. And so we kind of think of her as an appendage. But let's focus on her because the God that we serve lifts up the people at the bottom. He names those without names and he works through people we don't focus on or think are important. That's what he does. And so it says in Genesis chapter 16, now Sarah Abram's wife had borne him no children and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, version is this? Okay. New King James. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. Please go into my maid, and perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Now, I need you to understand something. Just in chapter 15, God had just told Abraham 
In chapter 15, verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he says, Look now towards heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Do you realize this is only the second place that we hear of God speaking about somebody having descendants? Does anybody know where's the first place we hear about someone getting the promise of descendants? Eve. Eve is promised the seed. She is promised descendants. And this is very important because now Abraham is told that he is going to have descendants from his own body. Well, the last place we heard this promise was with Eve. And do we remember who Eve was one with? Adam. And do you remember chapter 2 in Genesis where it says, and the two shall be made one flesh? Do you remember that? And then God gives Abraham a promise that he's going to have descendants in chapter 15. And then in chapter 16, Sarah says, hmm, the Lord's restrained me from having children. Here, here, go have kids with somebody else. I think they forgot that the two become one. And the promise for Abraham was a promise for Eve. I'm sorry, for Sarah. Because you understand that the promise was given to a chosen woman. And that being Eve. And, and suddenly we have a reversal, it seems. And so Sarah suddenly thinks that it doesn't matter. She doesn't matter in the promise. Sometimes I wonder if she knows about the promise, but I think she does. And, and she, she says, well, you know what? I'm not that important. Maybe you're supposed to be with someone else and have children, and, and I'll get... Promise adjacent. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be next to the promise and I can get a little joy through you, through this, through you and, and through this, the servant of mine. And I want you to notice it says, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. This is the language of rejection. This is not the language of the Lord loves me and has given me a promise. And, and notice that Abraham, it says in, in 16, verse 2, and Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Now, I want you to sit, sit here for just a second. When you hear, how many times have you heard a mom feel like, well, it's not about me. It's just about my family. It's not about me. Yes, it is about you. And But the problem is sometimes we do not affirm those we love. They, they feel rejected by God. They feel like the promise isn't for them. And we don't remind them of who they are to us. We're silent when we should be pushing them forward. We should be bringing them ahead for them to receive their blessing. 
But Abraham is silent, and it says Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. And Abram's, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, and gave her to her husband. This is real rejection. She's giving, she doesn't have children, and so she's giving her husband, her only husband, to someone else's arms. She doesn't seem to think the promise is for her. And, and we continue reading on in the story. And if you were to go down to 16, verse 4, so he went to Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. And she hated Sarah. She, did, she thought of Sarah as scum. Sarah was less than. And Sarah says to Abram, my wrong be on you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. Now, we always hear this story like, hey, Sarah, this was your idea. Now you're mad at Abraham. No. They were supposed to, she gave her husband. Who's the power player in this story? Who has the power in the situation? Abraham does. She gave her maid to him. He's supposed to make sure she's continually respected and honored. That's his job as her husband. Our job in our families is to make sure that we give honor to the people in our families, and we make sure they don't give it away. Our job is to make sure that they know that they have respect and they have honor, and they cannot be replaced. Nobody can replace mom. She should never feel she should be replaced. She cannot be. Dad can't be replaced either. And so she says, look, I gave her to you. I did this thing. Now you're getting something and, and I've got, what do I have now? My wrong be upon you. And then she says, the Lord judge between you and me. You know, when they left Heron, they didn't fight. They were together. And now all of a sudden, she's asking the Lord to judge between her and her husband. I want to tell you, the Lord will judge, and he does judge. And I want you to hold on to that thought for just a second. And, and so Abraham, he just bows out, and he's like, do whatever you want. And so Hagar, mistre I mean, so Sarai mistreats Hagar. She gave away her husband, thinking that she was replaceable. She diminished, Sarah diminished herself by giving away her husband, by saying she didn't, thinking she was rejected by God, by saying God had withheld this promise from her, this gift from her, and she diminished herself. And then you know what she did after that? She diminished someone else. 
you know, the, the principle we live by is Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. That there is a base requirement for you to love yourself. If you diminish yourself, you will diminish someone else. And she diminished Hagar. She took Hagar and gave her to someone as if Hagar was something to be traded because Sarah herself felt like she was someone to be traded. We know this because earlier in Genesis, her husband had traded her for his physical safety. If you will look back, you will see that he went to Egypt because there was a famine. And he, he told Sarai, he says, well, tell them you are my sister so they will deal kindly with me. And so Sarah agreed and consented to this. And Pharaoh took her into his house. Abraham was willing to trade Sarah for himself because clearly Sarah does not think enough of herself to say no. And Abraham doesn't think enough of his wife to say, I would die for you. And, and Abraham doesn't seem to think this is a big deal. That's not true. He actually begs her to do this. That's in the text um, because he's really scared of dying. And he says, you know, you are my sister and, and true. They'll be nice to me. And you can forgive him for this one time because he's thinking they're not going to take my sister from me. But that's not what happened. Pharaoh takes his sister and his wife. And then God has to be like, I, he like brings a plague on Egypt. This is the first place we hear plagues on Egypt. This is really quite interesting. The first place Egypt receives plagues is when it takes Sarah, Abram's wife. And so Pharaoh gives her back. He's like, take your wife and go. Now, this time, Sarah is giving this Egyptian maidservant, which he probably got from her trip to Egypt. And she mistreats Hagar, and Hagar runs away. And some people use this, and they say, let's look at this. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. And now the angel of the Lord found her, that being Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's made work. Where have you come from and where are you going? And she says, she's fleeing from Sarah. And the angel says, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord says to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for a multitude. I want you to stop here. Hagar is the only single woman to receive the promise of descendants on her own. You know, women sometimes, moms often they'll take abuse because they're worried about their children. They're in a bad situation. And so they stay because they're worried about their children. I want to tell you something. As God was with Hagar, so he will be with you. You got to go. And they're like, but he says to, to submit yourself to Sarah. Eh, 
We have no more record that Sarah ever touches her again, okay? There's some confirmation in the text about this because later on we find out um, that Sarah sees Ishmael mocking. So clearly Hagar ain't afraid anymore. But I want to tell you something. God sent Hagar back to collect child support. You're like, what? In my previous practice, I was a family law attorney. He sent Hagar back. He said, you will not leave and not get pro your proper send-off, your proper due. He sent her back. Now notice when Abraham sends Hagar away the second time, when he sends her away, he sends her with water and food and his name. Her son will be recognized. Her child will be honored. God wants her to go, but he wants her to go with something. She will not go empty-handed. And I say this because so many mothers think that they're supposed to be abused and the text is used against them. When the text is saying, no, be strong. I want you to be a strong mother of the Lord. Get what's yours and then go. It's just a side because this is extreme. A lot of abusers use this text and you need to know that God, if you take care of your baby's mothers, God will bless you on your own. Because if you were to continue and you go to verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He took bread and a skin of water and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness. And, and, and the child, she runs out of water. And, and she walks away. She says, I don't want to see my child die. And, and she sits opposite her of him and she lifts up her voice and cries and it says that God hears her hears the lad and says what's wrong Hagar fear not God has heard the voice of the child where he is arise lift up the child hold him with your hand for I will make him a great nation verse 19 God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water if you continue reading the rest of the story you'll find out that he grew up and he dwelt in the wilderness with his mom and his mom got him a wife from Egypt God gave her the promise no one else got just for her. Now, was Hagar supposed to be in the picture? Was she supposed to be in this relationship? I'm going to be straight with you. There's some moms out there, and you're like, well, I wasn't quite supposed to be a mom yet. You might be concerned, but let me tell you, every child that is born has a promise from God. Every mother that chooses to be a mother has a promise just for her, and God will bless you. She's not concerned about the circumstances. We all live in the circumstances of sin. What difference does it make? And he gives grace so much more abundantly. Because really, we ignore those who are nameless in the story. But we forget that the story is really about God. The story is really about the God who loves you, the, the God who loves me, the God who came as a servant rejected of men, who died on a cross and rose again and gives the lowliest of us power. 
It's about the God who works through broken people who do broken things. And he makes these broken people powerful to bless others and to receive blessing. This is the God that we serve. This is Sarah's God. This is Hagar's God. And, and you know, it's been such a crazy time. And, and, and Hagar. I got to go back to Hagar because we see who God is so well through the second matriarch because God gives her the promise. And, and when he finds her, when God finds her, you know what she calls God? She calls God the one who sees me. God saw an abused, a woman. Let's look at her so real quick. He saw a slave given to somebody else's husband, a woman being used by another woman and a, and a man to have a baby who then is broken herself. So then she mistreats her own mistress and then gets beat up for it because of her own poor behavior, she runs away and God sees her. Because even though she wasn't acting right, she still shouldn't have been abused. Even though she wasn't perfect, she was loved by God, her father in heaven. And he was like, I see you. And she was like, you see me. He's like, and I will not leave you in the wilderness to think that you are not blessed, loved, and highly favored. I have a promise for you. And he gave her that promise. And he wanted to make sure that Abraham knew. So he sent her back, and then she, and then he, she was time for her to go again, but at the right time. Now, now that's Hagar's story. Now, what about Sarah, who is more powerful than Hagar, and yet she doesn't even think she's worth being traded to? So let's look at her, and and so Sarah's like eighty-six years old, or something like that. So if you go back. You go from 16 to 17, God gives Abraham another promise. And he says, you're in 17 verses 15. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I've made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. He gives Abraham some promises. But again, this story is not about him. It's about Sarah and Hagar. So you go to 19, chapter 17, verse 19. And then um, actually go to 17, verse 17. And Abraham fell on his, ooh, go back, go back again. 17, verse 15. Chapter 17, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Now, Sarah means princess. And I want you to pay attention because remember, Sarai was traded to Pharaoh to keep Abram safe. Abraham argue, argue with you that, that Abraham does not realize that Sarah 
is bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Even though she's his sister and his wife. He doesn't know who she is to him. She do he doesn't know that she's his helpmeet. Helpmeet meaning without her he dies. She has no future. He doesn't know that. And, and so he's willing to trade his life, Sarah, for his life, Abraham. And God has to tell Abraham who he is and who Sarah is. And he says, as for Sarah, your wife, he's like, remember Genesis chapter 2. You shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Let me tell you, God sometimes has to tell somebody who you are for them to treat you right. And, and he says to Abraham, because Abraham needs to know, I will bless her. I'm not going to bless you on your own. God doesn't just bless some people. He blesses all people. It's up to us to receive and accept and live in the blessing. And so... He tells Abraham this, and this is what Abraham does. I'm so upset about this. And it says, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Now, God tells him that his 86-year-old, 89-year-old wife is going to be blessed. And he laughs. He doesn't say, thank you, Jesus. He doesn't say hallelujah to the God who brought him this far. He laughs. He doesn't intercede for Sarah. He laughs and says in his heart, shall a, born, a child be born to a man who's 100, and shall Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to him, oh, that Ishmael lived before you. He doesn't say, oh, I'm so happy, Sarah, you can do a miracle through Sarah. And God is hardcore. I love God. He says, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. He's like, look, Abraham, I see you just do not see who these people are, so I'm going to have to help you out. Princess and laughter are their names. Now, fast forward to chapter 18, and we read chapter 18 a lot because we think of Sodom and Gomorrah, and this is where the angels come to Abraham, but I want you to look at this conversation. And, and Abraham runs to meet that he appeared to him. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebinth trees in Mamre. And so he, so he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from his tent to meet them. Okay? And he, he invites them to stay. My Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, don't pass your servant. Have some food. Wash your feet. Rest yourself. And they say, do as you have said. The second thing we hear them say, if you go to verse 9, is then they say to him, where's Sarah, your wife? Now, notice, they don't call her Sarah. They call her Sarah. Where's Sarah? Where's the princess, your wife? And he says, here in the tent. And he said, I'll certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. We know that. They were advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Now, 
Just in chapter 17, God had just given a promise to Abraham that Sarah going to have a kid. Why is Sarah laughing in 18 like she'd never heard it before? Abraham did not tell her the promise or she wouldn't have had that, that's ridiculous, laugh. She doesn't know who she is. The angel has to come. The Lord himself, even though he's told Abraham, we find out Abraham is a prophet later on. The prophet didn't tell his wife who she was to God. We don't always tell our mothers who they are to us, how much we love them, how much we need them, how special they are. No, today, moms, you're special, you're loved, you're needed. Without you, we don't make it. We don't even get our promises without you. You need to know that and we need to tell you. And and Sarah doesn't even believe it. She says, therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure? Shall I have joy? Sarah, remember the first time we hear her speak, she thinks she's rejected by God. God, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. A Lord she trusted. A Lord she asks to mediate between her and her husband. And now she doesn't even expect joy. How many women of God, people of God, know that the Lord lives, know that he loves people, but feel, but you inside yourself don't really feel like the promises are for you. You can preach to somebody else. You can have faith for someone else. You can pray and move mountains for your children, but you don't accept the blessing that's for you. You don't even feel worthy. You give up hope for yourself. And so God has to come and tell you who you are because the rest of us have failed to speak that truth over you. God himself has to come and tell you the promise is for you. So he has to tell Sarah she has a promise for her. And then a pagan king has to tell her. Because Abraham doesn't get her. He starts mistreating her again. He trades her again to Abimelech. And Abimelech in chapter 20, 23, 22, I'm sorry. He says to her, I'm sorry. In chapter 20, because nobody seems to know who this mother is. She gets traded again, and God has to say to a pagan king in chapter 20. He basically comes to the man in the night and says, you're a dead man. And he says, and God continues in 20, verse 6, and he says, yeah, I know you did this, but I withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Mothers, God has your back when no one else does. He will preserve the promise for you. God would have destroyed Egypt. And he is going to destroy Abimelech's kingdom for Sarah. 
He says, know that you shall surely die and all who are yours if he had touched Sarah. Know that you have a mighty king of kings and lord of lords, mothers, who looks out for you. He is with you. He sees you. But you have to see yourself. You have to own your blessing that God has for you. And Abimelech says to Sarah in verse 15, Verse 16, Sarah, behold, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you. In the Hebrew, it said he has covered your eyes. It means she can't see what she's worth. She can't see her value because she's too busy looking at him. She's not looking at the God who loves her. She's not living for the God who loves her. She's not expecting the blessing. And so a pagan king has to tell her what she's worth. Do not wait for somebody on the outside to tell you what you're worth. God has already called you by name. He's already got a promise for you. He loves you. Own that, don't give it away. Sarah finally has a child. And you know what she says? Everybody will laugh with me. If you were to look. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Know that the Lord is true. The God who sees you will bring forth the promises he has for you. And in verse 6, Sarah says, And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. Her laughter of, this is ridiculous, that sad laughter when you don't expect anything anymore, has turned to joyous bubbling over laughter. And she says, everyone's going to laugh with me. And sometimes everybody won't laugh with you when you get your blessing. Because we find out later that Ishmael is mocking her. And you know what Sarah does? We hear her speak again. And she says, send that woman out. <laughs> send that woman and her kid out. And y'all might think that's mean and selfish, but no. When a promise is for you, it's for you. Don't let somebody take your promise. We're not called to be nice to people. You got to own your promise. Let them go get their own promise from God. Don't give yours away. Call on God. Because remember, Sarah said, let the Lord judge between you and me, Abraham. And so then the Lord judges on her behalf. He says, Abraham, listen to Sarah. This promise is hers. Does that mean he didn't have a promise for Hagar? No, she had her own promise. It was just somewhere else. We have to have enough faith in God to know we can have what's for us and they can have what's for them. This is, this is tricky because it may seem mean. It may seem a little cold. But you got to love you. And you got to trust God enough to have your own promise and to tell somebody else, I know God has a promise for you, but this one is mine. 
That's not being selfish. It's honoring the God who has absolutely abundant, limitless resources. This is my spot. That's your spot. This is my lane. That's your lane. And if God has something else to say, he will tell me and I'll get out the way. But know that the promise God has for you is all yours. The joy he has for you is all yours. Commit yourself to the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Trust also in him and he will bring forth your righteousness as the noonday sun. You get your promise and you get to be good too. Mothers, you sacrifice so much for us. We neglect you. We don't see you like we don't see Sarah, like we don't see Hagar. We trade you. Sometimes we abuse you. And so we just don't see you. But we need you. But God sees you and he's going to set us all straight. And I just, this Sabbath Mother's Day as you get your rest. And I know it's hard as a mom to get your rest. And I pray that God sends you a, a mom-adjacent person to help you out from time to time. And I pray that God speaks to the fathers so that they know who they are, that God sees them too, and that God calls them. And there's enough promise to go around and I leave you with the one last text in Acts. Acts 2, verses 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Be blessed. Know you are highly favored. And God sees you, he knows you, and he will keep you. Come to him with all your burdens. Come to him with all your cares. He will save you, he will save your children, and he will bless you and keep you. <laughs>